Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Austin's all sports leader, the Horn. I woke up to the morning sky first. Oh, yes, sir. And yes, ma'am, you had better. Get them up. Get them going Friday on Ian Rod being Austin's only morning sports conversation on this 11th of August. Preseason football on the brain. Couple of games last night. Huge day on the recruiting trail for the Longhorns. We'll talk all things uh, Colin Simmons throughout the morning. Hear from two of the Longhorns' top players going into the 2023 season, which begins in just 22 days. Quinn Ewers at quarterback and Jalen Ford, the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year in the preseason in the Big 12. Both of them will weigh in. Also, uh, baseball, two and a half games separate the Rangers and Astros who uh, start this weekend in August. We've also got uh, golf. Not just the playoff underway at, uh, in Memphis with the first round of the three-week run to the FedEx Cup. We also have uh, Phil Mickelson responding to enormous gambling allegations. Also, uh, Rory McIlroy always likes to give it to you a little bit with a, with a jab. Back at Phil Mickelson. We'll get to all that throughout the course of our five hours, five days a week here on, on Austin's only morning sports conversation. It is Ian Rod B. Ty Henderson is through the glass. And we're excited to be here with you launching hour one and a ton to do today. And look who it is across the uh, desk here, across the table. Uh, live here on the Horn app on the hornfm.com, AM 1260-1019 FM, maybe you are. He is the Lifetime Longhorn, 16 years of fixture on your radio dial here in the ATX out of DBU and DB High. Kidding me? Number 21 <laughs> in your Texas football program, but number one in our hearts, shutting down one side of the field. Each morning for us is our man, Rod Babers. What's up, RB? I appreciate the intro, brother, and uh, man, good to be here on a Friday, a football Friday, too, because we're talking football. Yeah, what are you, free, free, free-flowing football Friday? It's a freak flag, feel good, fake it till you make it, Ric Flair, woo, football Friday edition. Hey, man, I got a little football go. in last night, a little football. Oh, it's man. preseason variety, so it's uh, the worst of the football, but, you know, it's football. It's football. They're wearing uniforms and mm-hmm. throwing that thing around, and we'll talk Texans and Patriots. A win in the D'Amico Ryan's debut as the Houston <laughs> Texans, and I'm sure he's pretty happy with his defense, held the Patriots to 164 total yards in the ball game. Oh, Bill O'Brien? Uh, Bill O'Brien, yeah. <laughs> and Bailey Zappi was the starting quarterback last night for New England out of uh, Victoria, Texas. Mm-hmm. I believe that's his hometown, Victoria, Texas. So, yeah, we had actual football last night. Uh, we got a lot to do. It's good to see you. And uh, good to see all of you and hear from good all of you. Be, if you want to watch this show and see Rod stack of papers over there, man, you've got, uh, what do you, what do we, the cache of stuff. It is. I thought I saw you before the looking through. You're looking for a, a there's specific. A method, there's a method to the madness, but it, it is madness. I look great. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of papers over there, which I love. And uh, that means we're diving into a, to uh, go behind the burnt orange curtain. we got some Rod's rants today. We'll get some facts of the, uh, of the uh, early part of this program coming up. A lot to do. Ty Henderson is through the glass. T.Y., you've been here. You actually beat me to the house today. Nice job. I know. Mm. I was surprised. Working hard. And you didn't sleep here. I was here. a little worried about you. No, what? I didn't sleep here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because there wasn't, I mean, I, had, I already had a lot of the stuff done, so I didn't uh, get up at four. I got up about 4.15, so a little 15 minutes later than usual. You, you know slept I mean? in. That 15, minutes you is nice. In, huh? You slept in, huh? You slept in? I was dreaming, too, man. It was, I was like <laughs> locked in. I was, all kinds of craziness going on in between these two ears. And uh, uh, so, yeah, it's going to be a fun Friday. It's the weekend uh, upon us. And we'll dive in. Let's get to the headlines, those trending topics to start your weekend as you get it rolling on Ian Rod B. UBO Business Services start with Texas football. Yeah, we told you keep an eye on Duncanville, Texas, 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon. Well, there it was. Huge recruiting win for the Longhorns. Colin Simmons, the number one overall recruit in the state of Texas for 2024 and a top 10 national prospect, chose the Longhorns. 
for his school of choice. Did it at his high school yesterday afternoon. Choose Texas over LSU and Miami. 6'3", 225-pound senior to be at Duncanville. Helped lead the Panthers to the 6A Division I state championship last season. Earned defensive MVP honors in that championship game and a win over North Shore. Simmons nearly unblockable as a junior in a 15-0 season for his team. 33 tackles for loss, 22.5 sacks, 45 quarterback hurries as a junior. He'll be a senior this year looking for back-to-back state championships. But after that, he's going to be a Longhorn. Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian has now landed the state's best defensive player in back-to-back cycles. They also, of course, earned the commitment of Denton Ryan linebacker Anthony Hill Jr. last season. He is already on campus. Speaking of linebackers, uh, also yesterday, Texas senior linebacker and preseason Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, Jalen Ford, named to the Butkus Award watch list. The Butkus presented annually to the nation's uh, top linebacker, Longhorn legend Derek Johnson, the only Texas backer ever to win that award. NFL, Thursday night preseason doubleheader last night of preseason football. The debut of D'Amico Ryans and the Houston Texans, a win, 20-9 in New England. Rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud had a short debut, went two for four through an interception on his uh, first drive there, then was out. Also, Davis Mills relieved him through a six-yard touchdown pass to the rookie wideout Tank Dell out of Houston. Case Keenum tossed a second touchdown pass. Houston's defense, as we said, limited the Patriots to just 164 total yards on the night. They were impressive. Also, uh, last night in Seattle, the Seahawks top Minnesota 24-13. Six more preseason games tonight in the NFL, including B. John Robinson making his NFL debut for the Atlanta Falcons in Miami to face the Dolphins. Also, six more on Saturday with the Cowboys opening their preseason slate, hosting Jacksonville up in Arlington. In baseball, Rangers lead atop the L West, stands at two and a half games over the Astros headed into the weekend. Texas enjoyed the day off yesterday. They'll open a weekend series in San Francisco tonight. Houston fell in Baltimore 5-4 to four yesterday. Orioles avoid the sweep. Houston will open a weekend series with the Angels tonight. Justin Verlander will make his first Minute Maid Park start of the year in Game 1 tonight. At Dell Diamond last night, Round Rock pounded Albuquerque again, 15-1 to this time. E-Train have scored 35 runs in the first three games of that series. They'll try to keep it going tonight on a Bud Light Fireworks Friday, 7:05. And in golf, Jordan Spieth fired a first-round 63 at the FedEx St. Jude's Championship in Memphis. That puts the lifetime long one at 7-under. A stroke ahead of Tom Kim headed into today's second round. St. Jude, of course, the first leg of the PGA Tour's three-week playoff run to the FedEx Cup. This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com. Low one fans buzzing about the Colin Simmons commitment. It is, uh, it's huge. Um, it is. I mean, I'll, I'll give Sark a ton of credit. That is a, that's a big-time get for Texas, especially going up against LSU. And then, yeah, in back-to-back years, you get, you know, five-star Big-time foundational pieces on defense and back-to-back recruiting classes. Anthony Hill um, as a, a linebacker, and then Colin Simmons. Anthony Hill actually a guy that can, you can kind of move around on that front as well. But these are guys that when you go into the SEC, these are supposed to be your you know, big-time playmakers on defense. These are the guys you can build that entire defense around, and they are you know, the highest-caliber players you can get. All the big schools in the SEC were coveting these guys, Anthony Hill and Colin Simmons. Gives Sark a lot of credit. Gives a lot of credit to uh, the NIL. Uh, sure. You know, the NIL push at Texas. It is an arms race, and the, uh, the BMDs, the big-money donors uh, at Texas, are doing a great job of keeping Texas right there at the forefront of the NIL arms race. Well, I mean, when, when the Longhorns first announced, along with Oklahoma, that they were headed to the uh, SEC, the question was, are they they're not ready for the SEC? They're not, uh, they're not uh, uh, up to snuff there because they haven't even been you know, close to dominant in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, but it's players like this, players like Anthony Hill, Arch Manning. I mean, you're bringing in the best players in the country out of the prep, prep game. 
doesn't guarantee success, but it gives you a heck of a lot better chance uh, when you've got game breakers and, and playmakers like that. I mean, that's you know, if you have a solid you know foundation on both lines of scrimmage, then you add pieces like Anthony Hill and Colin Simmons and. Uh, you know they, they had the high-end cornerback recruit last year and safety recruits on the defensive backfield. They're recruited at a very high level, and you're right. The, uh, the, the NIL is, is a part of that, but obviously Steve Sarkeesian is selling uh, a vision. The culture is, is you know playing a part of this. We talk about the players recruiting the players and that South Dallas pipeline and that Metroplex pipeline that Sark is now building. Uh, we're seeing the, the benefits of that. And Colin Simmons long said he wanted to stay home. Or stay close to home, mm-hmm. and maybe in the end it was that 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 led tech him to Texas over LSU because a lot of reporting yesterday and up into the decision yesterday, Rod, that he really liked LSU and his teammate, the running back at Duncanville, just chose before him LSU. chose LSU, yeah, and that led up a lot of people in real time and they go, geez, he's going to go with LSU, and you know, last thing I read was his high school coach, his high school coach up there at Duncanville was big in helping him make that decision, um, you know, be a Texan, play at the flagship. Um, you know, take your opportunity to uh, to play at the flagship university in the in the state of Texas, and uh, your parents will be at all your ball games and those type of things. And you're still playing in the SEC, right? You're still playing. You are now in the Southeastern yeah. Conference, <laughs> just like LSU. So Colin Simmons, big time player, uh, kind of profiles. I think I think Vaughn Miller has been a good comp for me when I watch him on film. Uh, again, you can't. Not everybody's anybody else, but man, five star player who you know, lives in the backfield has that great bend, that great athleticism, that get off. Now that's separator, right? That just makes you different than at the even at the high school level. It's one thing when you're that much better, Rod. But then it's saying when you get into those state title games and those state playoff runs where you're playing against the other best players in the state and you still dominate. That's when you know you got uh, got a different kind of cat. Yeah, you just haven't had at Texas. You recruited some really amazing, uh, exceptional players over the years. Um, but from the edge, you're talking about just a true natural edge who's considered a five star prospect there. I mean, honestly, it hadn't been that. I mean, Sergio Kendall might have been there, but I think he was an athlete coming in. Um, Eddie Jones, remember him? I believe he might have been a five-star at the time. But Corey Redding, um, you know, he was the number one defensive player in the country and was kind of an outside linebacker defensive end prospect, came in in the 99 class with me. I mean, you might have to go back that far when you got like a true big-time five-star edge player that Texas recruited. And, like I said, who, who can live up to it as well. The, ex, the expectation is that this guy is going to live up to all those really high expectations that, that they have for him. Him and guys like Anthony Hill. And you're right, going into the SEC, you know, that's, that, that's the test, right? That's the best football that is being played in the country. Uh, and for Texas, the, the roster now has to fit that, you know, that test that is uh, ahead of you, which is the SEC. And I'll give Sark a lot of credit right now. Um, I don't know if there are too many programs. Georgia's probably in that conversation. Ohio State probably in that conversation. Recruiting better than Texas right now. And they're recruiting uh, well at all spots, right? You know, offense, defense, quarterback, O-line. offensive line, D-line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. They're not missing on their on the guys that are the highest guys on their board, the top guys on their board. They don't seem to miss. When they get, right? when they get their sights set on someone, whether it's an Arch, whether it's an Anthony Hill, whether it's Colin Simmons here, when they get their sights set on a guy as, as a staff, we're going to get them. They're getting them. They got too many rainmakers. They got Jeff Banks is a hell of a recruiter. Uh, we know Sark can close now. That's pretty evident, too. Uh, and Tashard Choice is <laughs> also an elite recruiter. They probably got two, three elite recruiters on the staff right now. And you mentioned NIL and the BMDs, and all that helps too. And uh, last year they had three five-star players. People will say, well, what is a five-star? Look, every position, what, there's eight, ten players that are given across the country, given that five-star. It's like 30-something. 
But but at each position? Huh? It's so like 30-something total. Total, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like so total position, for all period. Yeah. It's like 30-something total. T- top 30. Like, yeah, something so like that. So at each position, you may have 5 to 10. It five, may expand. 5 stars. Maybe, maybe, maybe 10. Um, so it's the best players at their position across the country. Last year, Texas got three of them with Arch Manning, John Tay Cook, and Anthony Hill. This year so far, um, you know, the commitment of, of uh, Colin Simmons is the first. They also had C.J. Baxter last year, who, again, you know, different different recruiting services recruit differently. But C.J. Baxter in some services was a five-star player, the running back from Orlando. So if you count him, they had four five-star players last year. If you go back to 2020, uh, the, the class before that, Rod, because last year's class – was full of you know it was the headline by Arch Manning, mm. but Jonte Cook, Anthony Hill, and then uh, and then C.J. Baxter, but also had the great linebacker class. Anthony Hill led it, but you also had Darian Gallette out of Teague, Texas, and uh, you had the Leonie Lafau, Lafau from Hawaii, mm. of course, and prayers and fo- prayers to the folks in Maui uh, that we're we're still seeing those horrible stories coming in. But also the uh, Samaj, uh, yeah, the kid Butler out of Fort Worth, Samaj Burrell, mm-hmm. uh, Butler Burrell. But then the class before that, Rod, you go back two classes, and that was the the offensive line heavy class, right? Where you you landed the big big guys up front um, because you had DJ Campbell, mm. Cam Williams, and several of those players had five star status. Kelvin Banks, you know, Kelvin Banks a five star player. DJ Campbell out of Arlington a five star player on the offensive line. So yeah, they're starting to stack those, and that's when you're getting. Two, three, as you, as you said, there's only 30 across the country. So like 30 or 40. I mean, they expanded so well, but it's not many. Like, it's not a ton. Yeah, it's the like elite the, players. Yeah. And again, it's the high school level. <laughs> these are the guys I've been, it, they described to me as these are guys that are expected to play on Sundays. Like, they, that's, yeah, the NFL's their, already watching Their them. evaluation is so, at that point, even as, you know, uh, immature as, I guess, their, their skill set is, because they're still young prospects, they still project that those guys, oh, they'll play on Sundays. Even with you know well, yeah, them not kinda, playing a down of college ball, like their skill set looks to be that they had that kind of upside. Yeah, they have that kind of skill set. Yeah. Uh, now some guys, Rod B could do it. It made to the NFL, but I I wasn't a five star guy. So oh, looked at me and went, okay, that guy yeah, will miss. play on Sundays. Yeah. No, I I ended up doing it through hard work and then commitment. And there are a lot of guys that do it that way. But then there are like fifty guys around the country where they look at them and their evaluation. Is so thorough. Their upside is so tremendous that they are given a five star that basically says, "Okay, you're expected to play on Sundays." And when they don't end up reaching that expectation level, or they don't <clears throat> obviously meet expectations, it is considered a, a a a an indictment on the program, which it was on Texas for a while, getting five star players and not developing those guys into NFL draftable prospects. Yeah, bringing five star players into good culture is what you see at Alabama and Georgia, right? Those Ohio guys State, Ohio yeah. State, <laughs> and they develop into the players that they have the ceiling to be. It's just a high ceiling grade, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, let's hear a quick one from uh, Colin Simmons yesterday on Sark. On Sark, you talked about the culture building, uh, starting to land the you know the rainmakers on the recruiting staff. This is from Inside Texas, so shout out to them. It's really good job on their coverage. Uh, they, they they did really good. I mean, it was thorough, and they ended up yeah. being interviewed. Well, with we're going to talk to Jerry, Jerry Hamilton. Yeah, Jerry Hamilton will be with us yeah. later this morning. Jerry was on site at. Duncanville High School had a talk with Colin Simmons here off the top of the show. Wanted to play a quick one with Colin uh, on Steve Sarkeesian, who earned the commitment of Colin Simmons yesterday. Amazing coach. Like, you could tell he's family-orientated, and they, that's that's what I look for the most is family, like, in the school. And the way he treats me and my family when we step on campus is just amazing. Like, it's just crazy. Like, I mean – I can't explain it. I can't explain it. Like you just got to go feel it for yourself. Can't explain it. Can't explain it. <laughs> <laughs> it's something. No, but that that is it. Gets to the point we're talking about. We start building a culture. 
right? And and he's talked about relationships. That's one of the things that he's spoken about several times in terms of building the coaches and how much that matters, especially with families. And the previous coach prior to Sark, one of the things that I I don't think he emphasized or prioritized enough was relationships, whether it be with both boosters and donors, whether that be with the players, whether it be with the players' families, whether that be, you know, with his boss. <laughs> he just didn't value relationships enough. And I think Sark's at the point now where he knows how important those relationships are at every level, especially when you are the head coach at Texas, because everybody wants a piece of you. Everybody wants to have your time. And when they come away from Sark, whatever it is, that brief impression, you like like Mac Brown, you like people to go, damn. He's well, the real deal. That's why I say <laughs> he's a genuine article. That's why I feel good throwing out that conversation about rec- recruits, you know, players recruiting players, right? Because you, you, you can hear what Colin Simmons just said. It, you know, Sark blew him away with the way he treats his family, and and mm-hmm. um, but then you hear from the players. I'm sure he asked the other guys out of South Dallas and his own former teammates at Duncanville. Is this real? This guy for real? Is this genuine? And they're saying, yeah. That's, that's every day. People said it about Mac Brown at first. It was like, is that's this right. guy real? Is this fake? And like, no. It's, yeah. it, that, that's Mac Brown, baby. You got you got a good one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and remember, you know this. Mac, you know, Sally did a lot of it, a lot of help. Lot of I committed look. to Sally. You committed I to- didn't commit to Mac. I committed to Sally on the phone. I'm not joking. Yeah. I committed to Sally on the phone. We, we, Me and Sally were actually talking, and I committed to her, See? not Mac. And then she gave the phone to Mac. Sally closed. Closer. deal with Rob B. Remember, she was a big real estate agent back in the day. And Sally was awesome. ABC, Sally, always well, be closing. It emphasized his, his family thing. It was like, no, uh, that she's the she's the matriarch of the family. Mac was the patriarch of the family, and they treated like that. And my mom got a chance to talk to Sally, and they had a relationship, too. So I understand exactly what these guys are talking about. I was t- telling Sally about my girlfriend at the time and how <laughs> I wanted her to go to Texas and how we had planned on, you know, we all ended up getting married and Mac told me, literally, it was later that week, he's like, don't worry about it. She's not going to be here. Uh, if you want if you want to be with her, by the time she graduates, we'll, 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 we can make it happen. But uh, trust me, right when you get up here and you see Austin, Texas, You'll be all right. You're not going to be worried about it much. And uh, Mac was right. Mac was right. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, somebody texted on the Specs text. I appreciate all the texts. It says uh, hashtag South Dallas takeover. South Dallas State champions last year, Duncanville, DeSoto, and South Oak Cliff. And the Longhorns are landing players from all three. That's right. I mean, all three of those programs won state titles last year. Uh, SOC, South Oak Cliff, Malik Muhammad, and Billy Walton are, mm. are part of uh, the Sark roster right now. John Tay Cook and his teammate Trey Wisner at DeSoto. Claude Mathis coaching that DeSoto team, Duncanville, Colin Simmons, and Cameron Williams. Cam Williams, the massive offensive lineman out of that Duncanville stable. So, yes, the South Dallas pipeline is certainly uh, in full effect, and I love that with Sally. And look, uh, Miss L'Oreal, right? L'Oreal Sarkeesian, a big part of uh, you know Steve Sarkeesian's recruiting yep. push as well, a former D1 athlete herself at USC. A fashionista. Track, fashionista, track and field star. <laughs> And, uh, you know, she she's a part of that, too. But that's why I say the family atmosphere, if, if it's phony, it'll be it'll be rooted out as phony. It'll be exposed. It'll be exposed. Yeah. And uh, that's when players confirm with other players, hey, man, this for real? This guy just this guy like this all the time? And uh, we're starting to see some of that. And uh, the Longhorns stacking players. And we'll see. Much like, the, you know, the next step, and we'll talk to Jerry Hamilton, who you just gave great pops to. Jerry's our favorite uh, go-to for when it's recruiting time. Love Jerry. He was in uh, South Dallas yesterday. That'll be at about uh, 8.10. We'll talk to Jerry. Uh, we're going to set an appointment with us here on Ian Rodby. He, um, you know, we, when, you're, when you're talking about what, what Texas is doing, does this now lead to an Arch Manning effect like we saw last year when Arch Manning committed? That was in late June that Arch Manning committed, and there was a just, just slew of recruits mm-hmm. that followed him. Oh, yeah. Uh, will, will Colin Simmons 
lead not just to recruits for the class of 2024, which the Longhorns are sitting at 16 commitments. It's a top 15 class in the country right around that. Will other players say, okay, that's, that's now Arch, Colin, <laughs> Anthony Hill, that's that's the that's the momentum program right yeah, now. Yeah, there's no doubt that happens. Uh, there are certain guys who will linchpin recruits within classes. Uh, Corey Red and we had we had two of them, I guess. Corey Red and Sims came in late because Sims had committed to Tennessee yep. at first, and then ended up flipping his commitment back to Texas. Shout out to Tim Brewster, who Tim Brewster, uh, <laughs> the Ric Flair of recruiting, <laughs> who, who uh, could close uh, damn near any deal back in the day. I think he's with Dion now, if I'm not mistaken. Isn't he is. Brewster he with is Dion? Up yeah, Colorado. He, Dion knows he, he's a mercenary. You want you want to close? You want a closer? Just go get that dude. But uh, anyway, he had flipped. So I think Corey Redding was earlier, and Corey. Redding was kind of a linchpin. McCoy Redding jumped on. It 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 was a it was a really an eye opening moment for everybody that this this new dude Mac Brown at Texas uh, he may be the real deal in recruiting. Well, you were because um, he was the number one defensive sure, recruit in the country. No question. I mean, you were a part of that class, <laughs> and that, that, yeah. And I was on the radio at the time. I remember how big a deal it was. It's kind of it like talking about these guys. It you're is. like, yeah. man. I mean, geez, Louise. Now you're you're not just because Mac had come in and done a nice job on a Heisman with Ricky Williams yep. in his first year, and then the recruiting was good. And it was picking up. But man, to land Corey Redding, who was the at the time, remember at the USA Today National Defensive Player of the Year, yep. out of North Shore, that great program down in Houston, and you're like, oh geez, he got the best quarterback and the best defensive player because Chris Sims was the number one quarterback. Like this thing's going places, and we know where yeah. it where it excelled. Well, Mac was doing that kind of stuff. You know where it was was headed at um, that point. So, uh, Lake Wade just wanted to know how many stars I was. I don't remember. They weren't recruiting. Wasn't what it is now. I'm sure that somebody could help. Maybe I'll find Jerry, that Jerry, information Jerry, for you. No, no, Jerry could. Jerry, Jerry discovered Rod Beat. I'm not, I'm not making that up. I was. We can. You can ask Jerry to tell you the story. I was out like working out at a, in H Town in the field. I think I. He was either at North Shore at Rice. You have to ask him. And Jerry was the first one to actually put Rod B on any board anywhere. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I, well, I, we'll ask you not. about that. Yeah, ask Jerry about it. So I'm not sure because back then it's it's tougher to find easy now. But back then, yeah, I remember. Pre, it wasn't. It wasn't pre-internet as, boom. You could just find who's got what stars and all that kind of stuff. Well, I know Bobby Burton and Bobby and, and yeah. Jerry were covering it, but at the same time, I, it wasn't as. Uh, Detailed of the star system exactly. and the metrics and all yeah. that. So, all I knew is Corey Redding was the number one defense player in the that, country. That's how good he was. <laughs> yeah. And I played with Jerome Sapp, who was also a USA Today All American as yeah. a junior. So he went to Notre Dame, and mm-hmm. he was a beast. And they were trying to get him. They were trying to get him. They couldn't close on him. But then, I, you know, I, I I saw Mac Brown had something special. Corey Redding turned mm-hmm. into quite the player, and he's still quite the guy living here in Austin, Texas. Guy was a, 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 a outside NFL linebacker career. when he first came in, and used to run down on kickoffs. Well, and that became the a, big debate: is what's a, the best position for him? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, he ended up playing D tackle in the league. Yeah, he did. He <laughs> grew, kept growing. He kept growing. Hey, uh, well, that's when you have that kind of athleticism, and then you keep growing into a you know. 280, 290-pounder. Yeah. He, uh, he was a freak, man. Uh, several people mentioned Alex January out of that Duncanville program, too. A legacy player for Texas. His father played at Texas, but Alex January is a stud defensive tackle. So another one of those Duncanville yeah. kids coming out of that great program. The, and Chris Gilbert, who is now at North Texas, uh, you got to give him a lot of credit, too, and give Sark credit because he brought him in because he was trying to build that pipeline. He saw that Metroplex blowing up, and he wanted to get a pipeline there, and that was one of the guys he brought in. Yeah, And now yeah. he went back. But. No question. Well, and and look, uh, the, the, Jamal Fenner was just hired by Steve Sarkeesian to replace Chris Gilbert, who went to, to uh, North Texas. And Jamal Fenner came from Austin LBJ. And down at Coach's School last month, Sark was pretty clear that look, a couple of years from now, Jamal Fenner will go off and become a college coach because mm-hmm. that's kind of the that's pathway. A, yeah. 
Uh, you because you network with all these college coaches while you're trying to liaison with the high schools, and you end up landing a co- which is what they're 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 you know, Jamal Fenner wants to be coaching in college, obviously, mm-hmm. and then Mac will replace him with someone else who wants to climb that that same ladder. I say I say Mac Sark will replace him, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll talk more Colin Simmons. I know we'll go behind the burn orange curtain with more on that. Uh, Rod will have some deep dives on uh, this recruiting class. We'll also talk uh, and hear from Quinn Ewers this morning, the Longhorn starting quarterback. Nice. Hear from Jalen Ford, who's up for the Butkus Award. Talked some Texans last night, some preseason NFL football. We've got to get into this Phil Mickelson story. We dabbled in it a little bit yesterday, but the more and more you mm. read of the excerpts that were coming out, this guy was an absolute uh, gambling addict. Well, might have a problem. And by late in the day yesterday at the Live event, he did respond. He finally responded, and we'll let you know what he had to say uh, with Phil Mickelson center stage. And, uh, uh, man, the story's unbelievable. Is there any way he built? He bet a billion dollars? That's, that's a like, big if you, number. If you, heard of, if you heard an individual like, bet $100 million. Is that possible? I know. To, that's do, a, to I, bet that much? I mean, I, it is possible. I'm just saying for someone who's not a billionaire. Hey, after we, <laughs> all right, yeah, exactly. He's not after, a billionaire. After we left the show, I kept thinking about like, okay, because that storyline came down like a billion. It's false. Like, like if he bet a hundred million, <laughs> sounds like ties, it's false. I promise. <laughs> I promise. I mean, I'm just trying to like if he your, your head starts to spin. If he bet okay, if he bet a hundred million, that would be a lot. But that's ten times that. You're talking about like this is like a Brewster's, all you're doing. Brewster's million scenario. Like I'm thinking feels <laughs> millions. But when I'm talking about the time spent gambling, I agree. I don't know. Like I, he's married, he's got kids. He he, he golfs. He golfs. He's so got, he's a, got golf, a job. Got a practice. <laughs> like, I don't know where you get the time. He's got to be doing it while golfing. Well, think about this. If you place, he probably his unit's probably like fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. If you place ten fifty thousand dollars bets on a day, that's five hundred thousand dollars. He probably gambles almost every single day. It's a lot of money. I read a a story yesterday of just, you know, Phil's famous for those on-the-course gambling, and uh, this, like, a a 12 handicapper was playing him. He gave him, like, 15 strokes. Guy Mm. had the day of his life, (laughs) and Phil handed him $50,000 cash out of his golf bag. Wow. 50! Hey. Got the cash on him, too. Right in his bag. Got his, I was, got the cash on him. Well, because that was always the famous thing with Phil mm-hmm. is that we don't do Venmo around here. Yeah. Straight cash, homie. Yeah, he wants, to, he wants to see it. <laughs> Let me see them dollar bills, y'all. 50. Damn. How about that pulling that right out of your bag? Phil and Michael Jordan need to stay away from each other. Oh, <laughs> I, there has to be a story coming of them on the right, course together like, gambling. Come on, man. Doesn't there? Phil got to be. I mean, they, an epic story where basically it was like three million dollars was bet. <laughs> so that, that that story will have to come out because you uh, know Michael Jordan and Phil Mickelson are not too far different in age, and they were both you know elite athletes at the same time. There there has to be a Phil Michael gambling Vegas. So the most, most notorious betters now in sports. Pete Rose. Phil, Phil joins that list with Pete Rose and MJ and well, the the Black Sox. <laughs> well, because because uh, Michael Jordan is sixty. And Phil's 53. So when Michael is at his peak, Phil's this hotshot amateur now becoming a great pro and was a great player early on. There has to be they a hands crossing, no doubt, huge pot on the line, yeah, gambling with story with Phil. Those the two most the, addicted but also competitive <laughs> dudes you're ever going to find. It appears. Oh, uh, I'm with you. I don't know how that hasn't come out, but I'm, I'm sure I'm with you. It will. I'm sure my MJ's got enough power. He's probably kept it from coming out. <laughs> That's right about that. He's got some pull. He's probably paying people off, but sooner or later, it's coming out. Well, the other big. I mean, John Daly was a, was a famous, <laughs> you know, horribly big gambler, and Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley. 
Uh, yeah. Michael's buddy. Him and MJ used to hang out. All right, we'll be back. We're just getting yeah. warmed up. It's Ian Rod B on a Friday. We'll get uh, behind the burn orange curtain going there. Also, uh, some facts of a Friday morning. Ty will help us with the gambling part of it, talking football, golf, baseball, everything here on Ian Rod B. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Austin's all sports leader, the Horn. Ian Rod B, facts of the day before the top of the hour. Ian Rod B, facts of the day. Including, you know, uh, apparently the uh, the old wife beater t-shirt that people used to wear, the wife beaters, it now has a new name. It's got a new name. They've given it a new friendlier Oh, yeah, because that's not politically correct. Right. It's got a new name now. Did- Same shirt, different name. Yeah, I can see that. You can't say that anymore. That used to be like a term no, thrown around. Not no, cool no. anymore. Yeah. And I will say before I even get to the fact of what it's called now, I've never owned one of those. Short. Oh, you never wore those? My grandfather, my gra- great grandpa Pete used to wear those. They're all definitely the time. in style again. My both of my younger brothers are both in college wear every them? single day. Really? Wow. Really? Well, and I'm all like my brother. I went. I went to my dad's house the other day to eat some breakfast with them after the shows, and he walked out and he was going to work out in a wife beater. Uh, cargo shorts and uh, like Sperry's, like boat shoes. Oh. I was like, "What are you doing, man? <laughs> What's going on with this look, man?" Uh, but yeah, I didn't know you go. Well, see, I, that's all. I've never I'm, been big to have. I'm an uh, old officially. I've never been big on the t-shirt under a shirt. It's something. Oh, I need it because I sweat a lot. I know. Well, that, that yeah. uh, for me, there's kind of a. I don't. I'm not a huge sweater. I'm a sweater, but I also don't. There's something sensory for me on that. Okay, I don't, I don't you. like the mixing of fabrics. I'm with you. I'm some people weird. are weird on me that way. Okay, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I just don't like. Ee. You got some little OCD stuff happening. A little bit, a little bit, a yeah. little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it's all right. I get everybody got Because I, I never, because my dad wore a t-shirt like always under his, even under his dress shirt, mm-hmm. and he would wear it to work. See, oh yeah, I do that too. It makes that makes I'm a sweater too. Yeah, and that makes it worse for me. If what I, really? Yeah, if I wear an undershirt. No, I have to have an undershirt so I'll sweat on the undershirt. And I won't sweat on my really nice shirt. There you go. And then you have sweat stains on your really nice shirt. Oh, I'm gonna shirts. have sweat sh- stains no matter what. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm not the biggest sweater, but at the same time in, in Austin, Texas, you everybody, in Texas, everybody's a everybody's sweater. Everybody's sweating. But if <laughs> in you're in Houston, sw- Texas, where I grew up, oh. my dad, everybody's a sweater. Yeah, I mean that's a two shower a day city. Easy. That's a two shower city. I was. Morning you, and night. You have to, I couldn't, in I wouldn't go to bed. Yeah, if you H time, if you don't take two showers a day, you're gonna stink. That's just the reality of it. Gonna, Everybody's sweating. And you're going to be sticky while you're sleeping. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. Everybody from Houston knows that. <laughs> we'll also get some uh, Phil Mickelson facts in the Ian Rod B facts of the day. Uh-oh. Coming up behind the burnt orange curtain, it's going to be about the uh, lean, leaner, meaner Quinn Ewers, who's uh, about to lead the Longhorns into a big season, 22 days. Think about that, Rod. By tomorrow, it'll be three weeks to the start of the season. It's, we actually had oh, football man. to consume last Let's night. We'll get into that. It. But... Uh, We'll get to that Texans game, some of the other NFL preseason games of interest, including B. John Robinson and the Falcons tonight facing the Dolphins. But first, let's go behind the BOC. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right. Now, Quinn Ewers got a chance to meet with the media yesterday. New look and all. Got the new haircut. That Looks like he's going in the military. T- turns him into a different man, he says, all that kind of stuff. So it's really good. And I, I, I said there's a lot of great stuff here. So I think the first thing we'll start with is the cut where he's being asked about. Uh, okay. <laughs> the music's so, still playing. He's excited about Quinn Years, too. Everybody's excited about it. That's what that was. Uh, but he's being asked about the biggest difference between year one and year two for him um, in this system as the starting quarterback for Texas. Here is Quinn Ewers. Mainly just the knowledge of the offense. Because um, this year, this time last year, I was still, 
you know, trying to, to pick up, you know, the offense and, and certain checks and whatnot and stuff like that. And this year it's kind of – I can just kind of be more me and, and play more freely. Um, and, you know, not have to think as much about, you know, what, what does this guy have? It just automatically clicks, which is, which is huge for my position because I can, you know, focus more on fronts and keeping myself protected. Uh, there you go. So he's talking about basically familiarity with the system. He knows it better now. And Sark commented on that too that he knows the system a lot better now, and he the the decisions are a lot a lot more crisp and quick. All right, a, a quicker reaction, and uh, just seems like his process has sped up. And it should because now he's not learning the system as he's going he knows the system and now we're talking about muscle memory and we're talking about going out there playing and letting your instincts take over and that's what you're saying he's got yeah. great instincts i mean that's where the upside and the projection is is for him yeah playing not thinking and if you're not thinking then it's just then that arm talent can come forward right the flick exactly. of the wrist the you know the quick throw mm-hmm. that you know is on a line and we saw that i feel like before he got hurt in the alabama game where he wasn't thinking you said as you said yesterday and we we know coming out of that game got a lot of man coverage from Nick Saban in that game and mm-hmm. didn't have a lot to read. Just make the throw. Just make it. Just throws. make that throw. And they were beautiful throws. And then you saw as the season went on, the more coverages he saw and different disguise coverages he saw, the more he was thinking, and the more oh boy, and now the process. The, the yeah. process. Now what am I going to do? And it looked uh, worse and worse as it went on. But uh, yeah, I mean that's it, it, the more he gets comfortable going through progressions. And as you pointed out behind the burn orange curtain earlier in the week, if they're going to go empty set and go five wide sometimes. Well, that that coverage leads to a, you know, just find your mismatch. Play exactly. point guard. It's pre- Distribute. Exactly. It cleans everything up for him. Uh, he was also asked about leadership because he now understands, especially with Bijan gone, Rojo gone, he's got to be the leader. Everybody's looking to him at a natural leadership position. Um, here's Quinn Ewers uh, discussing his leadership role with the team. It's definitely a lot easier, um, especially whenever you're filling into kind of a leadership role. You know, people will look at you a little differently whenever you're telling them what to do and and whatnot and it's cool, honestly. You know, football is a cool game. Um, you know, I kind of like to call it the quarterback. You're like a quarterback, kind of feel like, you know, I'm playing like a more, maybe violent, you know, more active chess kind of. So you know, I'm trying to trying to beat the defense with, with certain moves. Now that's interesting. Violent I, chess. I swear. I don't, you guys have heard me say it. I talk about the chess match within the game sure. constantly. Like, I think I refer to it probably once a show. <laughs> I talk about the chess match within the game. And he's talking about that. Ch- I wonder where he got the term from. Something tells me he got it from Sark. And if he got it from Sark, I wonder if now Sark is thinking about the chess match within the game. It's great that he's looking at football on that level. Um, like kind of Neo in the Matrix. <laughs> if you can see the 3D chess that's being played, it's just chess you know, with, with human beings. <laughs> and he's looking at it that way. He was asked about this. I believe this is uh, Jeff Jones, if I'm not mistaken, who is asking him about that to, to elaborate, to expound upon that, that chess match he's talking about. Here's Quinn is talking about the, the chess match and trying to be that chess master. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a chess match against the whole defense. You know, whether it's safeties rolling down and I got to check a protection, or or it's linebackers doing whatever. It's just it's just it's you got to make you got to make it fun. You know, it's a kids' game. And what's the last thing maybe it happened today uh, that you remember doing? And after the play, you were like, I got him. I won that chess game. Yeah, um, I would say I would say it was today. We had a we were in a a tight end set. Um, he was attached. And, you know, I, I saw double outside pressure, and I checked the protection and was able to get a completion. And, I mean, sometimes checking a, checking, a, checking a protection, it's almost better than throwing a touchdown pass sometimes. But the guys behind. Ooh, 
that is music to my ears. Sometimes checking the correct protection is better than throwing a touchdown pass. Okay. I, I got I, I'm thinking I might be all on board with, with Quinn Wick now. That that is a mature statement for a quarterback. <laughs> because I think last year he was obsessed with the big arm throws and making the uh spectacular plays. And he kind of forgot about the everyday fundamentals, right? Which are footwork, <laughs> which are, you know, I mean, uh being able to uh process and read the defense correctly. I think a lot of his game was trying to be more flashed and substance, and that sounds to me like a guy that's about substance that is going back to footwork and mechanics and the things that matter the most and like Setting the right protection, the mental process, the chess match within the game. He's saying all the right things. It's on paper now, but this is a different – he is definitely a different quarterback than he was last year. Well, it's interesting. If you've seen the first episode of Hard Knocks, you hear Aaron Rodgers talking to the young quarterback, Zach Wilson, about that very thing. Because Aaron, somehow Aaron Rodgers has become like the mentor <laughs> uh, in that in Jets he camp. He better. If, if Zach Wilson's an idiot, if he doesn't try to gain well, some of that they, knowledge. They, they did a brief little thing about no-look passes, right, and the ability to look one way and throw the mm-hmm. other, and Zach Wilson was doing it. But then at one point they're stretching, and, and Aaron Rodgers says to him, look, no-look passes are cute, but getting your protection set is a non is non-negotiable, right? Mm, yep, exactly. Saying, I mean, you, you, can, you can be cute with those throws, but if you don't get your protection right, it's not going to be mad. Or you're going to get ear-holed, uh, and you're going to, you know, a play that could work is not going to work because you didn't read the defense and set the right protection. Uh, that's that's what Quinn Ewers is saying. Look, I mean, if, mm-hmm. if I get the protection right and Sark has the right play drawn up, it's a touchdown. If not, it's a sack and maybe worse. You know, that's what we've mm-hmm. got to evolve to. And to hear Aaron Rodgers talking to a young quarterback in the NFL about the very same thing, um, you know, takes you behind the scenes, behind the burn orange curtain of how yep. how that works at the line of scrimmage. That's a great cut, though. That might be more of my favorite cuts. I, I got a lot of favorite Quinn cuts from this offseason, the Quinn Wick thing, but that's a damn good one. That yes. is really good. Can we play one more? Can yeah, we play one more? Sure. Um, okay, so this he's back being asked about his diet. Remember the photo they tweeted out about all the the quarterbacks and they were shirtless and they were showing off the abs and six pack and all that kind of stuff. Down to one ninety five, Quinn. And Will Malik, yes, he is. And he, he played about two eighteen last year. Yeah, he, at the bowl game they said he was at two eighteen. And you go look at him now and he's got the haircut, but he's he's sleek. And you saw in there, Malik Murphy looks like a something something out of an X Men movie, but superhero. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, but Quinn was asked about the diet and changing his diet, and here is Quinn Ewers being asked about you know what led to that body transformation. Yeah, I mean, I laid off the Chick Fil A that I was having a lot. <laughs> I'm a big Chick Fil A fan, um, and you know, just not as much fast food. I was more focused on you know eating what what the university provides. Um, you know, high higher. Doses of protein, less carbs, um, you know, more vegetables, just just the healthy stuff, man. Nothing, nothing too much to it. Besides, just trying to eat healthier. That is a great commercial for Chick Fil A. I mean, he just basically did an endorsement for Chick Fil A without even doing one. Aaron, Aaron <laughs> does he not sound just like your son Nolan? Yeah, he does. He sounds like my son Nolan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The same to me. He does. He does. Actually, I, I haven't thought that. about it. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't either until you just said it, but now it's going to freak me out. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought about it, but actually, uh, now I don't. Yeah. yeah same mannerisms, like with the voice. Yeah, they. Yeah, 
but the, but if he's like Nolan, he's a, he's a deep thinker too. He's a deep deep. He doesn't maybe come across as a deep thinker, but he is. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Shadowy deep thinker. Sounds I like, like that. Sounds uh, like yeah. Well, yeah, you know, no Chick Fil A. Hey, so he doesn't eat a lot of fat, fat I don't food. Eat fast I don't. Food. I eat Chick. I eat Chick Fil A. But, but I if you talk that. to fast food eaters, they say, "Well, Chick Fil A is healthy. Chick Fil A is like healthy food." Yeah, not I really. don't know if it's his no, fr- it's, it's like, a fried well, fried chicken. <laughs> it, it gives you because they're closed on Sundays and they're very sanitary. Yeah. People are like, oh, it's healthy. He's like, it's fried chicken. So <laughs> you get the grilled. You get the grilled chicken That's, sandwich. You can. They got salads, but I, I love you, most of their money is made on fried chicken. Fine. I love the programming that Chick Fil A has. People thinking that they're healthy, healthier, healthier as far as in the in the fast food space. I just think it's cleaner. <laughs> I don't know if it's healthier. Oh, it's not Taco Bell. It's cleaner, and you feel better about yourself because they're uh, they're 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 about the Lord, and that's right. <laughs> they're uh, you know they're closed on Sundays, so you know they practice what they have preach. a blessed day. They practice what they preach. I would say they also have the best customer service out of any fast foods in the country. My well, pleasure. Exactly. My pleasure. Like, that's what it is. You ever you have they ever gotten an order wrong? You ever no. see how guilty they? Well, they're no. running people through there with three lines going, oh, and it's they, a machine. If, man. if they get an order wrong, they feel so guilty. They give you that. They tell you to keep that, and then they come back with lots of coupons and other stuff. They've gotten order wrong once in my, I don't know, 10, 15 years. They did recently uh, get rid of the option to have a crispy, well-done option on the sandwich. Oh, no. So, a little coming up in our, oh, I didn't know that. Really? Coming up in our morning, uh, Ian Rod B. Hmm. Facts of the day. I'll give you a fact. I can, I can tie a football coach to Chick-fil-A coming back with a fact. <laughs> uh, also, Phil Mickelson <laughs> responding to gambling allegations. And uh, Rod B. will have his facts as well. Uh, coming back, we'll reset those headlines. We'll also, uh, uh, lot to do. we got to talk to Jerry Hamilton later in the show, this Colin Simmons commitment for the Longhorns. And we're at number 16 on our Ian Rod B. countdown to number one in the Horn Top 20 countdown. It's another Big 12 team later on the per- in the program. Busy Friday. Go nowhere. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Austin's All Sports Leader, the the Horn. He and Rod B on a Friday. It's time for Facts of the Day, including a uh, texter who did the math and on our uh, Phil Mickelson conversation. It says, guys, $1 billion in betting would be $2.7 million a day for a year. That can't be accurate because that's the allegation <laughs> in the book that's coming out, written by the former professional gambler Billy Walton, who was a great friend of Phil Mickelson's, who says and estimated that he gambled more than a billion dollars. Mm, um, yeah, but Ty and lost over a hundred million. Yeah, Ty Ty's who who gambles. You know, I mean, he and he wants to be a professional gambler, which is a thing these days, and so he's actually cultivating his craft. He broke it down. The assumption would be that if he if he loses a lot, then yeah, he's betting more of his own money. But when you he wins, you just roll over. Well, look if you look at the, the, the statistical profit. odds of gambling, right? If he did bet a billion, he probably split it, right? He he won one half and lost half. That means statistically, and the vig did very well. The juice, the juice, the commission was pretty strong. But even Billy Walton in the book says claims that he lost over a hundred million. So of the yeah. billion, he lost a hundred million, probably net net gain nothing, which there was a lot of rumors and and the speculation is one of the reasons he pushed for the live tour and joined the live tour and took the big dollars was to help pay off some of that. Uh, that's all unknown at this point, so that can't be a fact of the day. But Ty, you gamble, yeah. you're heavy on on the weekends, college and pro football, and you say in your mind a billion is certainly possible. It's possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it makes sense. 
Because to me, it's with someone with three kids, like he's got kids and a wife and job and golf. It's like, how's that possible? Multitasking. People place million dollar bets all the time. Oh, it takes a text, right? To your to your bookie. Oh, yeah. or... Whoa, I just, you gotta have. A, oh, your cousin. Sorry. You, you gotta have a pretty uh, big time cousin to make that million dollar bet. But I mean, you can go to Vegas casino and uh, some some sports books won't take it. But I mean, got the right book. Yeah, you get the right book. People or you got the right guy, Billy Walton. Well, Billy Walton it. also in the book in an excerpt says he never he's a professional gambler. But he, in a fact of the day, what prevents a is a professional gambler versus just a, a recreational gambler, Rod? 65% win percentage? No. <laughs> the, 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 the professional gambler doesn't have another job. Yeah, you pay bills with it. That's <laughs> right, how that's you pay your bills. Job. And you got to be 65% or both. Right. Yeah, you have to, for that to be paying bills, yeah, you better. You better be that good. Like, if you're like Phil doesn't have another day job or you play golf, um, then you're just a recreational gambler. But a heavy Addict. Wow, a heavy recreation. Yeah, those no, numbers. Yeah. Billy Walton says that uh, he's never heard of anyone getting. He was able to bet a hundred thousand dollar bets on college football over unders. College football over How unders. Much? Point totals. Hundred thousand. Hundred thousand. Man, he's a professional gambler. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and so yeah. while Walton is spilling the juice, it's a new book that's coming out. Obviously, he's trying to sell the book. In it, one of the most uh, controversial claims is that he wanted to bet $400,000 on the Ryder Cup in 2012 in Medina, outside Chicago, on, on the U.S. team. Not against his team, because they collapsed that Sunday and lost the Ryder Cup. But uh, according to Billy Walton, he says... He wouldn't take the bet from Phil Mickelson. He said, Has you, "Have you lost your effing mind? Don't remember what happened. Don't you remember what happened to Pete Rose? You're a modern day Arnold Palmer. You risk all of that for a bet. I want no part of that bet." And he didn't place the bet. Phil Mickelson, though, responded to yesterday saying, uh, uh, "I never bet on the Ryder Cup." Phil wrote in a statement. While it's well known that I always enjoy a friendly wager on the course, I would never undermine the integrity of the game. I've also been very open about my gambling addiction. I have previously conveyed my remorse, took responsibility, and have gotten help. Have been fully committed to the therapy, and, and that, that has positively impacted me. And I feel good about where I am now. My gambling got to a point of being reckless and embarrassing. I had to address it, but he was adamant that he never bet on the Ryder Cup. Speaking of gambling, have you guys heard about the uh, the additional stories from Iowa, coming out of Iowa State about the yes. other football players betting against Iowa who State have now? Yeah, who have now been caught uh, up. You know, in basically through the investigation, they found out they were betting on football games and some against Iowa State. Crazy, like uh, the kicker. Now, in addition to Hunter Deckers, we all knew about that, yeah, but now they said that video. According to court records, Iowa State running back uh, Jarrell Brock, defensive lineman Isaiah Lee, tight end Deshaun Hanika, and offensive lineman Jacob Rimsberg were charged with tampering of records in the Iowa Division of Criminal Investigations probe into sports wagering. Uh, in addition to those players, three former Iowa players allegedly bet on football games that they played in too. And one of those was Crazy. a kicker. One of those was a kicker who bet on the under, which you should always bet on the under in an Iowa football game. That's just going to happen. But he was a kicker, and a kicker would have direct ability to, to you know. Deal with the proof. outcome, right? Yeah. To affect the outcome. That's, no a, that's a huge story that is, is still under the radar to it this is. point. Yeah, Jarrell Brock, he he allegedly bet against his team when they played Texas in 2021. That dude plays, too. Yeah. Yeah. He does. Well, like Hunter it. Deckers was going to be the starting quarterback. He won't be playing uh, yeah, for Iowa State well, this year. Oh, he will be playing college football again. And I that all think. came out because there was an investigation by the Iowa Gaming Commission. Yes. All of the handshake bet that he made? No, because he, he was made betting action. on games. He, he I want to say he was trying to, it was to cover up. They were trying to, like, they were like tampering with records, trying to cover it up. Well, and that's why it became a big and story. Then, but it turns out he was betting yeah. through his mom's account, an account set up by his mother, Hunter <laughs> yeah. Deckers. 
Oh, yeah. This, no, this it's ugly. It's tip a, of the iceberg there. It's ugly. Yeah, it's a lot going on there. Yeah, Iowa State will not be a threat this year. I thought, no, I no. thought they were going to be a threat to Texas. They won't. Don't worry no, about it. They don't really have a quarterback right now. <laughs> uh, and it, like, other starters now are getting caught up in this thing, too. Uh, great stuff. Also, from some facts of the day, how about this? According to the owner of Inter-Miami in the MLS, Apple TV's MLS Season Pass subscriptions have more than doubled since Lionel Messi joined the I, league. I'm and not of course, surprised. Of course, he gets a cut of that. He, I mean, I can't wait to see because he hasn't actually started MLS play yet, right? Because they're still in this like those, this little tournament. No, he's played some games. Are they played some games? The the, the, the the tournament's just like in between. Yeah, okay. he played one MLS game. Yeah. and hit the game winner. Okay, I believe. Yeah. Or is it all League's Cup play that he's? That's what I'm saying. No, I wonder if it's, I, he's all I think League he's Cup. played like seven games. So For the MLS, but League Cup, or like total. So I yeah, he's, got, he's played four games, got seven goals, but all four I think are leagues. I think they're in, really. that, they're in that League Cup the tournament. League, yeah, I, think, I don't think he's actually played in the scheduled games yet. I think you're right they're about in the that. They're in the League Cup tournament, right? Because Austin FC doesn't play for what? Because they got knocked out so 21st. early. Twenty first, so they don't play for a while. Yeah, yeah. Three, okay. they're, they're a month off because yeah. they got two in barbecue. Yeah. So exactly, when he starts playing, there's like bets being taken if he's going to lead the league in goals when they when they start getting back in the middle. Because he's just, I mean, he's scoring at a record rate. Yeah. Every time he plays yeah, for like five minutes, he scores. So much better than all of them. <laughs> Everybody. Well, they went from the worst team to now they're that, yeah, easily they, a championship yeah. contender. Yes. that He took them from being, yeah, potentially the worst team in MLS to the best now. Yeah. They, they have a chance. It is. It's amazing. But for him, remember, he turned down, the, we asked how could he turn down $1.6 billion from the Saudis. Well, he took the deal at Inter Miami, and he's got a cut of this Apple Plus deal and the merchandise and the merch. Adidas, yeah. I mean, he's rev, he's <laughs> rev sharing. Yeah, he's rev sharing. <laughs> it actually, it, he, it, there's a chance it, when he's done, he could end up making more than that million. Like, because I think he may have an ownership uh, agreement in there too, where he can buy ownership into Much a club. Much like David Beckham did. Yes, once he's done, and that could end up being. Well, think about all that deal. When you think about the big, if you're playing the long game, Rod. Yes, exactly. David Beckham came to LA at the end of his career. And part of his deal was when it when it's when it's available, he has the right to buy an expansion MLS team for twenty five million dollars. Already had the number in his contract. Yep. <laughs> well, that 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 franchise which he bought for twenty five million now values it over five hundred million. And it could be close to a billion with, with, once with, the Messi experiment that's why is over. He pushed so hard to bring Messi. <laughs> Dude, he's, yeah, that's a great point. Long game, baby. Long game. Hey, roll the dice. Take the chance on yourself. Bet on you. Bet on you. That's what he's doing. I like it. Um, I got a fact today, but I. I think Go it's, for it. It's, 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 now it's too in-depth to share. I got to get to on the other side. It's a Texan stat. Oh, I like this. But it's a little bit too in-depth to just throw out there right now right up against the break. But it's a pretty good one. Pretty no, good one? It's a pretty good one. But we'll give it when we talk a little Texans preseason stuff. So I'll give you that. Well, I'll give you another because you spent the long game. I'll give you the Warren Buffett quote of the year. Warren Buffett. Oh, I love Warren Buffett quotes. I got a good one. I got a good one. Well, let's hit them. Uh, also, we've got uh, a Rod's rant next hour. That's coming. That's coming. Good show. Love the facts today. Uh, speaking of, uh, two, don't have enough time here. I'm going to play you some audio too of Phil Mickelson talking to Bryson DeChambeau about a, a little skins game they're about to get into. Kind of, bo- kind of behind the curtain mm-hmm. of how Phil's mind thinks when it's time to tee <laughs> off. We'll have that for you coming up. Great stuff on your way. It's a Friday. What do we call it, Rod? Free fall. Freak flag. Feel good. Fake it till you make it. Ric Flair. Friday edition. That's a guy. Like that. Got it all in. Coming back.